Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 711 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we hear from Jessica Sherry of Double Strings about their song, which is paying tribute to the NHS. We have a natter with Dave Edwards, former Wolves, and of course, Shrewsbury Town player, who's actually got a charity match coming up at Shrewsbury Town in March. Here you go, you can get along to that one. Also on top of that, Stuart Kelly lets us know about not one, but three novels. Okay, we spoke about one three years ago, but we've got a follow-up to that and another book that is released in the last 12 months. Plus, on top of that, we'll also be hearing from Sky Stewart, all about Club Moe, opening in Wolverhampton on the 16th of February. That's all on the way on The Milk Bar this week. Former Wolves star Dave Edwards is up to his old tricks when it comes to a wonderful game of football. It's all taking place in March over at Shrewsbury Town. Is here to tell us all about it. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm good. You all right? Very well, thank you. Yeah, literally long time no see. Yes, it has been far too long. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's going on then? Uh, what's the match all about? And, and I, I believe you're probably raising funds knowing you. Yes, so it is, it is a charity match and um, it's taking place on the 26th of March, uh, 1.30 kickoff at Shrewsbury Town Stadium, Montgomery's Waters Meadow. And it's um, it's raising money for Little Rascals Foundation, which is a charity I'm heavily involved in, which helps support children with disabilities and their families. And then also Shrewsbury Town Foundation, who are helping me do it. Uh, any money raised that goes towards them will go towards their, their provision for the disability programs that they run. So two great causes. And the game is going to be between a Wolves 11 and a Shrewsbury Town 11, made up of players that I've played with during my times at the club. So mm -hmm. we've got some fantastic players all ready to go. Um, some real cult heroes from different generations. Um, so yeah, so it, it's going to be a great day. There's stuff going on before the game as well. There's some showcase um, things for the charities going on in and around the stadium. Um, and yeah, so it's a Sunday afternoon. So hopefully as many people as possible can get along. I'm kind of hoping you're going to spend half the game on one side and half the game on the other. Well, maybe 30 minutes each half. I don't know if I could last <laughs> four minutes. But yeah, no, that, that that would be the plan. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm going to get a shirt printed up for both teams, and that would be that'd be really nice. And I think it's it'd be great to get a few people down from a selfish point of view, away from the charity stuff. That I I never really got a chance to say a proper goodbye on the pitch to both teams when I when I finished at Shrewsbury. It was in the COVID season, so mm -hmm. there was no fans in the stadium. And when I left Wolves after nine and a half years, I kind of left just before a weekend before there was a game and it was all done very very quickly and I was sort of out the door in the matter of matter of hours really um so I never really got that chance on the pitch to say my farewell so it's a second opportunity for me but most importantly it's it's the funds that it can possibly raise yeah because I mean little rascals people well if they go shopping in uh, Shrewsbury town center uh they will see the little rascals uh, Darwin's den and that's just a, a flavour of, of what the Little Rascals Foundation are, are doing. Yeah, so the, the one in the town centre is something that um, Little Rascals Foundation and Street Town Foundation have done together. Um, but we have, we have our own centre in Bicton, which is just outside Shrewsbury. We did have a um, our flagship centre in Monkmore, but unfortunately um, it, we came to the end of our lease and the it wasn't renewed by the landlord. So 
we've we've had a tough couple of years with COVID, not being able to open, not being able to fundraise, and then losing our flagship site. We've just about got our heads back above water now, and we're, we're looking forward to the future because what we do is um, some amazing work. We I say we, we support children with disabilities through our play center. It's a complete nonprofit. So every penny that we raise coming through the doors for admissions, through food, it all goes towards the foundation. And that helps us run various amounts of services, which includes sort of after school clubs, um, holiday clubs. And then we have sessions during the week, which is solely for children with special educational needs. So it's, it's really good. Uh, we've got a great group of staff, we've got a wonderful manager and me and my best friend, Ben, who, who set it up. We're very proud of what we've created and, and the money that we could possibly raise during this would help us build a sensory room in our, in our facility. We had one, our old facility, but obviously, unfortunately that closed down. It was used so much. It made a real difference, but our new facility, we haven't managed to get it yet, but we we're hoping that the funds raised during this game can, can get us that sensory room. It'll make a big difference. Yeah, and then it's through the sort of activities that go on there uh, that, that allow these kids to to enjoy day-to-day life and the play that is accessible to so many who don't have the disabilities, yet this also yeah, puts it within their reach to be able to have fun and enjoy themselves. And as you already mentioned, yeah, this kind of helps with with education too, uh, whether it be just be social education, let alone uh, yeah, the, the actual schoolwork too. It does. It's, it's, um, we, we try and support children with physical disabilities, and then obviously with special educational needs as well. And in particular, the special educational needs side of things is there's a lot of children who feel very uncomfortable in in the general public and, and parents or carers will be a little bit anxious themselves on what to expect when they are in that environment, whether it's too noisy, too bright, all these different factors which can can really affect the children. So we wanted to have the centre solely open on certain days and certain times just for this, these children and their families. And what we find more than anything is that the parents can really relax. They come into the center, you see their shoulders drop straight away. They know they're in and around other families who have been through very similar things and they can just have a coffee, piece of cake and just really relax and not have to worry about other children sort of feeling a little bit overwhelmed with what's happening, are other people looking at them, all these sorts of things. So. That's a great thing. And then say beyond that, we, we offer one-to-one services as well, mentorship. Um, we offer sort of some some networking groups for the parents as well, so trying to signpost them if they're looking for different activities, funding, all these sorts of things. We try and help in, in every aspect we can. So yeah, it's far from just being a, a play center where they can come <laughs> and have a, little, a run around. It, it, it goes a long, long way beyond that. But, but you enjoy the ball pool as well. Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Right, okay. So where can we find out, first of all, about the work that Little Rascals does? So that is on, if you go on, on social medias and look for UK Little Rascals, we're, we're sort of all across there. Little Rascals Foundation on Facebook is kind of our main our main area where you can see what we do as a, as a foundation. Um, we've got a Little Rascals Foundation website also as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, all the stuff's on there. And any information about the game, Shrewsbury Town Foundation, you look through their socials or on their website or Shrewsbury Town's own ticket site as well. Um, all the information about the tickets it's, it's a very affordable game. I think under 12s are, are free and it's only £10 while there's early bird tickets out for adults. Um, yeah, so it'd be great to get as many people as long, just as well because the, the quality of players that are playing in the game as well. It'd be, it'd be great for all football fans to come down and watch. 
Absolutely, fill the meadow. That's the case. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. It really okay. would. Fingers crossed that'll happen. I uh, say so, uh, Shrewsbury Town versus a Wolves eleven, and some amazing names, just like Dave Edwards' name. And uh, whichever side of the fence you're on, obviously he's going to be a player who's meant something to you over the years. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with getting everyone down to the game. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. Double Strings have a brand new song out, which is highlighting the plight of the NHS and supporting those workers who do an amazing job every day. Jessica Sherry is here to tell me more about it. Hello. Hi, Ian. Nice to see you. And you. Hello. And uh, this isn't the first time we've spoken because you uh, have <laughs> done uh, this sort of thing before, haven't you? We have indeed. We wrote a song in um, back when there was COVID mm-hmm. about Sir Captain Tom. Yes. And I have, me and my friend have written another song and it's called Let's Hear It. And we've written it for the NHS uh, to highlight the the concerns that we have for the NHS and how we all need to work together and support it because it's in a really difficult situation at the minute. It is. I mean, it's under a lot of pressure for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And uh, even though there's a recruitment drive on to get more nursing staff in there, uh, people just don't seem to be going along to join to help out those nurses we already have. It's such a shame. I mean, even today I was looking at the news and I've seen that like so many people are on strikes mm-hmm. and it's it's really, really difficult. I was talking to the Express and Star about it as well and um they were asking a few questions about how, what people thought about the nhs and then i thought i'd say that we're doing this to raise awareness about the problems that the nhs are facing mm-hmm. and i thought this would be a great opportunity to bring everybody together and to make us all appreciate what the NHS has done for us especially during the COVID times and things like that mm-hmm. and it's really good to be able to give back to the NHS what they've given us and what I've planned to do and I wanted to make everybody aware is that later in this year so we're thinking June time mm-hmm. we've got a date we've got a venue booked and we're going to do a big fundraiser for the NHS. And we would, I would just want to get the word out there that it's going to be big and it's going to be exciting. And I'm going to have musicians playing the whole time and, yeah, just come along and see what we can do. To... So how will the funds be used? I'm just going to try and give it to the NHS in any way that we can. We're so gonna... through the NHS charities side of things, you'll be able to uh, support very much in the same way that uh, Sir Captain Tom was able to support too. A hundred percent, yeah. And I just feel like he did so much for everybody in that time, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And now like, it's such a difficult situation and we need to remember that the NHS, we need to save it. We, and really, we just want to get the word out and raise awareness so that it can be saved. And yeah, it it really does need to be saved. We need to realize the importance of the NHS. Absolutely. And say, uh, as part of everyone's day-to-day lives, whether it's through uh, A&E that people have been admitted to hospital or whether it's just 
run-of-the-mill operations, their day-to-day work and uh, the massive life-changing effect that has for people. Obviously, we, we need them to be doing what they do and and, and can do so well. So Absolutely. obviously, as you say, Double Strings is the start of this campaign. The uh, big event coming up as you're planning in June side of Definitely. time is going to be absolutely yeah. awesome all raising funds for nhs charities so yes. uh, tell us where we find you on the socials so we can actually okay. uh, start to listen right. to we're going to play the track in a moment but so people can enjoy <laughs> and share and of course donate and buy okay so my name is jessica sherry my friend is called pete and we have a page called double strings mm-hmm. and you just type that into facebook and that kind of thing but that we just need to get the awareness out and see what we can do to raise money and raise awareness. I feel the NHS has helped me personally so much in the past and a lot of people I know as well. And I I reckon if you asked anybody, they would just say how much the NHS is really needed. We need to do something, don't we? We need to make sure we can we can support the NHS, definitely. Absolutely. We need a health service which is free at point of use. No one has to worry about their health care. And we have the absolutely the best people yeah. making their those uh, life-changing decisions are, are around people and giving them the skill and care that they need. Exactly. Like they, they do so much for us. We We just need to do this for them. And we need to save the NHS. We really do. Absolutely. Because where would we be without it? Or would we be? Yeah, well, we, we, we see the likes of America and the mess that their healthcare system is. Exactly. And we'd be so grateful for what we have over here, can't we? We it's we don't realise that we're so lucky and we need to make sure that it stays because it's under so much stress, so much pressure. And I just really, I really feel for the people that are under that amount of pressure. Like mm-hmm. I was in A&E myself um just a few months back like I've had a baby recently mm-hmm. and I've seen like how stressed it can be and how much pressure there is for these people yep they're working under you know life and death situations every day and that obviously every takes day. its toll on them yeah. so, you know, they need support they need to know that we uh, are there thinking of them and the work that they do too and this is where the song comes yeah. in so the double strings we're looking for on all the socials you can find the song there and is it on uh, some of the music playing systems as well the likes of spotify do you know what i've really because because the idea is that the, this is to get the the attraction up for the fundraiser later in the year. I want to see how big we can get it, definitely. Check it out on the socials for now. Uh, Like and share, that's the important thing, and uh, enjoy the track. We will play it now. Thank you, Jessica Sherry, for joining us. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. One, two, three, four. People are turned away from the Can we care for family and friends 
when the phone lines go to voicemail. Let's rise the There's a brand new nightlife experience coming to the city of Wolverhampton on the 16th of February for the general public. It is Club May. Sky Stewart is behind all of these shenanigans and is here to tell me more. Hello to you. Hi, Jason. You okay? I'm good. Good to catch up with you. 
last time we spoke, you were presenting on WCRFM, and uh, then you went off gallivanting. I think was it um, halfway across? Was it Northamptonshire you were off to? Yeah, Northampton. I went to. Yeah. And you've been cutting <laughs> your teeth in the world of. Oh, you, we know you from the entertainment industry anyway, but you've been cutting your teeth in uh, in management when it comes to the venues, and you're bringing that experience to Club Moe in our city. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited to um, be coming back to Northampton. You're home back day. home. Yeah, back home, yeah. Um, and bringing Club Moe, which is going to be a fantastic new venue on Queen Street. So we're really excited to be opening up on the 16th of February. Now, it's going to be a, very much a, a music and cabaret themed, your cabaret seating. Uh, there's there's booths. There's also I'm, I'm looking forward to the press launch, which you very kindly invited me to. And uh, it's going to be a, a great venue for really enjoying I don't want to say old-fashioned because it's currently up, up to date and everything, but uh, it, it it is going to have that sort of traditional feel to a, uh, a nightclub if we were to go anytime. For, 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 yeah, we're talking classy nightclub from the uh, the 20s, 30s onwards, aren't we, really? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the first opening night, we've got a fantastic Michael Bublé act coming um, called Luke Inley. Um, so he, he's going to be opening up the club. Um, he's an absolutely amazing performer, and he's actually from Wolverhampton as well. Um, he he was born in Wolverhampton, but he he's moved away. But he's coming back um, to open Club Moe. It's it's homecomings for everybody, which is the way we like it. And the, yeah. the is there a food offering uh, as well as the entertainment? No, no. So basically, we're just um, offering drinks. Um, so yeah, just come down, enjoy the night. There's going to be loads of cabaret DJs. You'll see me there. I'll be doing a few DJ spots. Um, and we've got some fantastic DJs coming from up and down the country to join us. Um, so as well as the cabaret scene, it's going to be very much um, a nightclub um, come 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, taking you right through till 4 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, it's, it's just going to be really good. A little bit of something for everyone. Definitely, 100%. We, we definitely have something for everyone. Um, then in the daytimes as well, we're going to be offering to rent out the club um, for all sorts of stuff. If you've got any corporate events or, you know, um, meetings and stuff like that, you know, the club will be here for you. And again, doing that in a cabaret seating style is going to be absolutely fantastic. And obviously you've got a sound system to die for. So every word is going to be heard. Yeah, everyone's going to be sounding amazing, even me. <laughs> <laughs> you always sound amazing. So uh, it, it's it's all going to be getting going. So what nights of the week are going to be open to start off with? Um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Thursdays is going to be tribute artists um, and that will be, you know, from around about seven o'clock um, with the acts coming on at nine o'clock. So every Thursday, a different tribute artist. Um, Friday and Saturday is going to be a little bit more DJ um, and a few cabaret acts um, thrown in there. And then Sunday, we've got some amazing performers coming down, some really, really good singers um, on a Sunday. So absolutely lots to see, great time to enjoy. And as you say, it, it, it all gets going from early right the way through till late, each of those three days each week. And you can enjoy, let's say, a live performance followed by the chance to dance and uh, really sort of let your hair down a little bit and, and enjoy a great new uh, bit of nightlife in our city. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we've got some amazing live entertainment places um, already in the city, but, you know, we want to add to that. And especially with the halls opening up again, and obviously we've got the Grand Theatre, so you know we want to complement each other. If you go into those venues, come and see us first, 
and then go off and enjoy your night and then come back to us after. <laughs> absolutely. And, and then they sort of dance the night away. I like the idea of that. Sounds absolutely brilliant. Exactly. So where do we find out more about exactly what's going on? I'll say, okay, so we, we're on Facebook. Um, just type in Club Moway, Wolverhampton. Um, we've got a website, www.clubmoway.com. Um, you can also email us, info at clubmoway.com. And I think we're on Instagram and Twitter. As you know, Jason, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not into Instagram and Twitter, but um, I'm sure we're on there as well. Heading of the venue, but not the socials. But equally, that means that they get plenty of pics of you in action. That's what counts, isn't it? 100% on Facebook. You know me. I love my Facebook. <laughs> That's going to be good. Well, have a brilliant time with it. I'm looking forward to seeing you at the press launch. And uh, then we are for a, a, a great run of events as you run through each Thursday, Friday and Saturday down there at Club Mayo. Sky, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. It's been amazing. Thank you. Somebody who I've known for probably the best part of nearly 40 years now uh, is Stuart Cowley. Uh, he has a wonderful interest in local radio and many other things too. He's here now to tell me about some of his writing work and he's going to enlighten us about not only a follow-up to a book we talked about probably the best part of three years ago and also to tell us about another novel that he has on the way. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I think I got everything in the right order then, more or less, didn't I? Well, I was just running over it in my mind, then I thought I got it right. But it, it sounds about right. Yes. Okay, let's start by talking. Uh, do you think about the, the the new novel, the second one, which is which is there and has been out for a little while? Yeah, it came out last year, about this time last year. So I don't know if you can remember. Well, people won't remember, but going back to the interview a couple of years ago when the first book came out. Um, the first book and the second book had originally been two projects that were screenplays. Mm -hmm. uh, and over a period of about 20 years, they've been sort of in and out of the loft. Uh, you know, you sort of try different avenues and whatever you. For the bulk of the time, they'd sat at BBC Writers' Room. So um, the problem is that a lot of people won't take unsolicited scripts. So you've got to get some kind of representation. But a lot of people won't take you on unless you've got some kind of a proven track record. So it's, you know, same old chicken and egg situation. What, what do you do with it? It's all right doing these things, but what do you do with it once you've got it? So BBC Writers' Room seemed to be the way to go. Uh, but as I say, sat there for many years and I just sort of gave up on it. Um, so then I was listening to a, a local radio interview with a gentleman who had been in the same situation, but had then turned his screenplays into uh, self-published novels and had a bit of success. So I mm -hmm. thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So that's what I did. Um, but of the two projects, one was like a historical one based on, um, sort of fiction based on a historic fact. The other one was a comedy, a chase comedy. So two totally different books. <laughs> so when I was converting them over to novels, it seemed sense to do it with the factual historical one, uh, because that seemed to suit the novel format better. Now, we'll talk more about that probably when we talk about the second book in that series okay. in a short while's time. So yes. let's skip ahead to the comedy one. Now, the, I, it right. would have been during lockdown you'd have had the opportunity probably to, to make a big dent in this. Yes, to convert it over. So a bit of a gamble because, as I say, I thought the other one was more suited to a novel. When the comedy one was a screenplay, 
it was um, there was a lot of sort of visual comedy uh, scenes in it. So obviously it's not going to work in a book. So I had to change the whole thing around. Um, and it was a bit of a gamble as to how it would be received because originally the screenplay was designed purposefully for a family audience. Um, so it's very simplistic. The comedy is very simplistic. So you can imagine sort of um, people my age picking up the book and, and reading it and thinking, what, what on earth's going on here? Because I'm, I'm a gentleman of a certain age, so... I, I was going to say 25. No, Jason. No, I, I, well, I'm, I'm double that, and you're just a little bit older than me, aren't you? A little bit, yes. We'll stick with that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it didn't know how it was going to be received, but um, there's been a couple of very nice reviews on Amazon, and uh, I know the one review in particular definitely got it, because what, what this was about, it was harping back to the days of the sort of chase comedies of the 60s, and I always remember going to the cinema with my dad. And there's one in particular called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And there's people of a certain age might remember that. It's, it's, it was it come out about 1963. Uh, but that involved um, an ex-con passing away on, by the side of the road. And he tells a group of people where he's hidden a stash. So, of course, when he's uh, literally kicked the bucket, um, they go from one end of America to the other to try and find this stash. And they draw in other people along the way. So for my novel, I wanted it kicking off in at Heathrow. Ex-con dies on a plane on the tarmac at Heathrow. He tells an air steward and an American family where the stash is. Uh, and then along the way, they draw in other people. And it's, it's all buried at a special place. Um, in this book, it's it's all buried at Port Merion in North Wales. So I got the permission from the people that look after Port Merion to use that as a location. Mm -hmm. So they go cross country from Heathrow by car all the way through Wales, different mishaps and whatever. You. And it's also gave me the opportunity to um, include one or two things that I'd come across in my life as an insurance salesman years ago. And it's like <laughs> anything where you, you, you're sort of dealing with members of the public, you come across some some right characters um, and I sort of built one or two of those sort of situations in because there are a couple of financial advisors that get to hear about this stash uh, they're having a bit of a rough week business-wise so they decide to go after it as well so some of the things they come across are some of the things I've actually come across myself so for example uh, there was a couple when I used to do my insurance and um, lovely couple and he he used to go up to the council tip and he'd always come back with something. He'd, he'd sort of go up with a wheelbarrow full of junk. He'd always come back with something. And this one day when I turned up, his wife was playing this organ. Somehow he'd managed to get an electric organ back about a mile from the council tip. The reason it had been thrown out was because some of the keys were missing. <laughs> right. So I was in this silly situation of this lady who also liked to have a drink, I might add, uh, attempting to play Vanderbalk with uh, a couple of keys missing. If you did a dinners though, there, you're not going to do it, no, are you? You're not going to do it, and it's those sort of situations you think, well, you, you know, you couldn't make them up. It's just like true life. <laughs> so there's lots of little things like that that I've sort of brought into that book. Whether it works or not, I don't know. But there was nothing to lose in in putting it out there, and it's it's like I've said before. For the last twenty years, it's been like having two children. You know, what you do for one, you got to do for the other. So. <laughs> 
The first one was reasonably successful. No harm in putting the second one out, which was the chase comedy. And uh, yeah, so it's it's out there. That's how that came about. And I think we must point out at this this moment that there is nothing buried in Port Merion. Do not go there and try and dig it up. Yeah, don't go there and try and dig it up. No, not at all. Give us the details of the chase comedy and how people can find that and buy that online. Well, it's on Amazon, Amazon Kindle, and if you look it up, it's called Right Next Time, and the reason there is a reason for that title, uh, which I'll tell you about if you want to kill another 10 minutes, but <laughs> it's called Right Next Time, and um, it's it's on Amazon Kindle. If you put that in, um, my name, Stuart Cowley, you'll, you'll find it there. C-O-W-L-E-Y, Stuart Cowley, yeah. and uh, have, a, have a look and enjoy a comedy. However... For those who missed our chat, well, but it must be it's got to be three years ago, Stuart, because we did it in real life before lockdown, didn't we? Yeah, it was just before lockdown, and this is a lot more relaxed than that one was, I might add, on account of me rushing from one end of all around to, to the other because I got the wrong studio. Ah, yes, well, we were we were filming at the lighthouse at that point, weren't we? Rather than uh, yes. over at uh, our old home at the New Hampton Art Centre, but there we go. So uh, here we are, and give us a, a recap of, of that book to begin with, because you talked a little bit about it earlier, about a screenplay that's got to turn into a book. It's got some historical accuracies, hopefully no inaccuracies. Right, well, the first one, which was called uh, Someone in Time, uh, it came about after watching um, a documentary about Exercise Tiger that happened in Devon. Mm-hmm. Just before the Normandy, Normandy landings, it was the, the sort of uh, trials that they were running to get the troops ready for the actual Normandy landings. And then there was a bit of subterfuge, wasn't there, about a different location it was all due to take place in? Yeah, yeah. But uh, Exercise Tiger, um, there was just under a 1,000 Americans that were killed on English beaches mm-hmm. and English waters. Uh, due to uh, friendly fire. There were one or two reasons why. There was some um, German e-boats had, had come across uh, the, um, the the Americans just by chance. They managed to torpedo a couple of the boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the timing issue. There was a friendly fire issue. All resulted in about 1,000, just under 1,000 Americans being killed on our, in our waters. And it was all hushed up. Yeah, and that's a tragic loss. I mean, you would not want that terrible event colouring the work that's been done as part of the war effort. No, you wouldn't. But um, it, it had to be hushed up, and we can understand why it has to be had to be hushed mm-hmm. up. It was because of the morale of the troops that were going to be taking place in the actual landings a, a few weeks later on. So it, it, it's not until the sort of eighties that this is all sort of come to light. People have been aware. And I was a bit shocked by it, to be to be honest. So I decided to um, to write about that, but I didn't want it all to be sort of facts and figures. So, because um, you know a lot of people switch off. But I've got a young American GI, young uh, English girl that met up. Uh, they got married in in the story. They got married um, on the day of the the trials, uh, but on the same day went missing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people assume that they just because they got married, they've gone away well and over the years it hadn't been talked about much. Uh, but in present day, Devon, there's a couple that come across the um, the real reasons as to why that couple um, disappeared that day. You know, it all sort of comes to light. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves an American uh, war vet that took part in it, and it was his friend, best friend, that uh, that went missing on that day, and it's troubled him in, all through the years, 
and he finally gets to find out what actually happened to his to his friend. Uh, and we can't do spoilers there, can we? Well, we can't do spoilers because obviously it'll, it'll give it all away. But there's uh, there's a little bit of romance, there's a little bit of history, there's uh, a little bit of the supernatural I've brought in just to give it a bit of an edge. Didn't know how it was going to work, but a lot of people liked it. Um, there was um, another interview I heard on the radio. There's a lady called Mary Wood, who's now a well-known uh, writer. Mm-hmm. Um, again, she'd gone down the route of self-publishing and then went mainstream. I got, got recognised. So I sent her a message during lockdown to see how she managed to do it. <laughs> she was stuck in lockdown in Spain. Um Fortunately for me, she she read it on Kindle and come back full of praise. You know, I thought it was wonderful. Obviously gave me a few pointers. And then people were asking, um, you know, is there going to be a follow-up and what have you? And um, that's that's now where I'm at with my current um, project. So is this, again, based around history, but probably diverging slightly more into the world of creativity uh, to tell a tale but yeah, based on some of the say this horrendous, inadvertent, accidental loss of life, but it's still it's a tale that needs to be told, isn't it? Sorry, Jason, I didn't quite get that. Could you repeat it? I'm yeah, just so... joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you should know me from years back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, about two weeks after the first book uh, came out, uh, we were on holiday in Landudno. Mm-hmm. I was walking back to the B&B and I saw this plaque at the front of this, what used to be a hotel. And it said that a lot of the American troops that took part in the Normandy landings, the injured, came back to this hotel and they were like looked after and nursed uh, before being repatriated. Mm-hmm. And I said to my wife at the time, I said, if I'd have known that when I was doing the book, I'd have brought that into the story somewhere. Mm-hmm. So with people asking for a follow-up to that story, I've now managed to bring that that area, North Wales, into the second story. So this book now follows on from the first book in that the old war vet that appears in the first book, we see him just after he's served in Europe, recuperating in North Wales. But everybody over the years has thought the only sort of secret he got and that was troubling him was the fact that his his friend had apparently gone absent without leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was there's another little secret um, that he kept to himself all these years, which is, involves a lady over in France. Um, and his son only finds out about all of this uh, after his father's death, and they're selling the house, and he comes across all these sort of letters. So it, it opens up a whole sort of new can of worms, and they find out things about this old um, American war vet that they didn't know before. And uh, again, it brings in a lot of people. Um, there's a place in Land Now, if people know the area, called um, Holford Gardens. There's tea rooms up there. Mm-hmm. So I've got that as a meeting place back in the 1940s uh, and also present day as they try and unravel what this um, American war vet was up to in his time in France. Now, how far through this project are you? It's done. It's all done. Uh, We're just waiting to do the cover, which needs to be uh, done in spring, uh, photographed up at uh, 
up at North Wales and I've got an American reenactor all lined up. We're just waiting for the seasons to change. Because if, I, if I'd have gone up there and done it, say, autumn, it doesn't fit in with the storyline you see. And some bright spark would, would point out that it's, <laughs> it's, it's not quite right. And you're not so, photoshopping, you're doing it for real, which is, I think, a fair play to you. That's what, And it's a, it's a chance for another holiday in London, though. Well, it is. I think we're going to have to nip up there on the day and, and sort of do it, to, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but, yeah, it's all lined up. And, and it, I'll tell you the wonderful thing about this. That particular tea rooms, I was on their Facebook page and there was a lady went on there that just happened to make a comment that she was a waitress in the 1940s in those tea rooms. Mm -hmm. So I contacted her, she's still alive, and she's helped with one or two things with this book in respect to painting the pictures to what it was like up there in the 1940s. Amazing. And she's she's Welsh, so we all know what the Welsh are like, they can be very profound. Mm -hmm. She's come out with one or two things that have just been absolutely brilliant. And I thought, I've got to use that in the book. And she's also given me permission to use a name in the book. So, so it's a real person as part of the story. Person. Oh, I love that. Yeah, That's there's uh, Audrey. Audrey, her name is, and she's yeah. given me permission to use her name. It was late 40s when she were there. She wasn't there during the, the war, because mm -hmm. uh, it's set sort of uh, spring 1945 is uh, when it's set. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited with this one because it's... The others were sort of over a span of 20 years. This has all come about in 18 months, two years. So it's uh, quite good looking forward to that. That is good. So we're say not too far away. Now is the time, though, to pick up the first novel and get that yeah, uh, read, and then you'll be ready for the second one. Just keep checking with Stuart Curley on Amazon. So That's give us all it. those details again and the, both the titles we're looking out for. Uh, the title of the first one was Someone in Time. So search for that, you'll see it. Uh, Five-star reviews I might have. I expect nothing less. And uh, the new one is called A Promise in Time. So there's a, there's a bit of a link with all these three books. The, the mm -hmm. Times mentioned, you might note. But um, <laughs> now this, uh, this American GI makes a promise to this um, young French lady that he meets. So this, this is where the promise comes in, a promise, a promise in time. Well, I, I get the feeling that you're not going to stop there, whichever route you take on these uh, books. Hopefully, we'll see more from you in the not-too-distant future. Always good to catch up with you, especially last time, because I saw you the week, the week ago Sunday in uh, in Hollywood, having a nice Sunday lunch. Yes. Did you so, enjoy your full English? Was it a full English? I know, I know, I, know, I, had, uh, I had roast beef. It was gorgeous. So I uh, had a good time with that one. It, uh, what did you go for in the end? A bacon sandwich, Jason. Oh, I see. You're living it up. It's a highlight for you, isn't it? Well, there we go. But always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. And we will catch up in the not too distant future, I okay. trust. Cheers, Jason. Right. See you then. Bye bye. That's it all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 712 next week. I'll see you then. Ta for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah.